An angel of light, yeah. So yeah. it appears we have God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jerry was saying we see darkness, we see light, but angel comes, or the devil often comes as an angel of light. Yeah. He's a deceiver, you know, from the beginning. I mean, the darkness we see that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I think that the, the blessing that we have is that God has given us his word. He's given us a perfect testimony to help us discern between light and darkness in all these things. We're not left alone with it. And I think, I think you know, the encouragement that we've wanted to bring this whole weekend is look to Scripture alone to define everything. What does it mean to be a man? Look to Scripture alone. What does it mean to be a woman? Look to Scripture alone. What does it mean to be a mother? Look to Scripture alone. What does it mean to be married? Go get your, your guidebook there. In, a, in, what, in the law of the Lord, which is perfect, converting the soul, making wise the simple. So we have, there's tremendous help and hope for us in the sufficiency of Scripture. Yeah. Scott, could you tell us a little bit about the journey that Queen Deborah went on in discovering the calling, um, which may provide wisdom to um, newly married people who are seeking out that calling? Uh huh. Oh, my. That's a really good question. And maybe Deborah might be able to help me with this a little bit. Now, um, yes. The question was thank you. Uh, the question is, could, could you explain how Deborah, could I, could I explain how Deborah and I came to a sense of calling together? Is, am I saying it correctly? Anything to add or modify to that? Okay, so how did, how did we form that calling? Um, well, you know, we got married and like we really loved, we really loved each other. <laughs> I think that was the, really the heart of the whole matter. But Deborah knew she was marrying a pastor. She knew that. She actually, she actually wanted to marry me as a pastor. So that helped a lot. You know, she knew, she knew where I was going, and she, she wanted to be with me. In that now, you know as. After we got married, then more specifics began to unfold. And, um, you know, but I did different things in life, too. I mean, I think uh, I've really always been a pastor on one level, but, I've, but, I, but, I've, uh, but I did different things in the, in the midst of it. Like, for the first six years of our marriage, I was a pastor. But then I went into business. And so we locked arms together. And, you know, I, you know we started a, a couple of companies, you know. And uh, Deborah, Deborah helped me. I mean, she helped me so much. 
And, um, of course, you know, one of the great needs that we had was to feed our family, you know. So uh, necessity is the mother of invention. And so I think it just sort of, our, our calling together just kind of rolled with the, the tra- our trajectory through life. In some ways, you know, there were changes. In other, I mean, we were always really devoted to the church, always. We never for a minute didn't have our whole lives invested in local church life, even when I wasn't a pastor. We were, we were very devoted to that together. Uh, and Deborah, you know, Deborah loved the local church, and so did I. And so we just did that together, you know. Um, and... Um, and then, you know, my, my, my calling in life morphed over time really along the same theme, you know, but, but Deborah was always there. She loved, she always loved what I was doing and she always helped me uh, in what I was doing. You know, like right now, you know, our home, um, has been the place of gathering lots of people to hear the word of God. You know, we have this really big living room and we have big groups of people that come there. Deborah makes it all happen. She created a home life where people could come and go and where, where you know, hundreds of people could be fed. You know, we've had gatherings at our home with 2,000 people, not inside our house. And Deborah, Deborah has a, has a tremendous gift of organization and hospitality. So her her giftedness and her her energy really corresponded with mine. And um, so I think I'm really rambling right now. Am I get, am I even getting to your question? I. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let me say it a different way. Like when I, when I asked Deborah to marry me, okay, I took her on this long walk down this trail, and I had my guitar in my hand. And there was this tree about that had these huge huge branches that went up like this. You know, we were walking along, and she sat on this branch, you know, leaning against the tree, and I was here, and I started playing her some songs, you know. And I asked her, and I asked her if she would marry me, and she said yes. And you know what? What happened? It's like she just fell in my arms. And, and that's how we've been able She's been a yes girl. Um, yeah, let's go for it. You know, she's a pretty much of a go for it girl. And she's followed me, you know, through all kinds of stuff. You know, I would quit jobs and not even know exactly what we were going to do, but I knew where I was headed. And she followed me. Deborah, you know what? Deborah would, Deborah would live in a car with me and be a happy girl. She really would. She doesn't care, you know. A microbus, yeah. 
So I, I think that um, it worked out because she loved me. Yeah. She followed me. She believed that I was the head of this household, you know. But I didn't drag her around by the hair either. Like, I listened to her, you know. I do. So... Well, I think, yeah, Jerry said, does that mean the first year of your marriage you shouldn't be involved in much? Well, actually, in the law in Deuteronomy, Moses actually commands uh, husbands to spend the first year of their marriage in a really particular way. And the Bible actually commands husbands to spend the first year of their marriage making their wife happy. Making their wife happy. How about that? Can you do it? Can you pull? Hey, it's not too late. You're almost at, you're almost at a year, you know. But you know, you have you like you get married and God puts you on this mission. I am on a mission to make my wife smile. Okay. God is so good to marriages. He always calls for the very best things in marriage. Don't ever think for a minute that any command of marriage will make you unhappy unless you're rebellious. But if you follow it, he'll bless you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, chafing, chafing under the things that God says about marriage is really unprofitable because every law of God is a law for the happiness of mankind. Every law of God is a law of love. So, And that law about the first year of marriage is really fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. In fact... You know, in that, uh, Moses says, no military service. Make her happy. Yeah. Something you said a little bit earlier was, um, identity is not lost in oneness. And I was uh, just thinking how that's demonstrated in the Trinity. Yes. Yes, three separate persons and one essence. They are separate persons. And exactly like you said, uh, identity is not lost. Marriage is, is definitely a picture of that, for sure. And, I, you know, if you're married, you don't have to be married very long to realize that the differences in your spouse actually is really good for you. I mean, and it, there are a lot of different things that happen, like... You know, you start eating foods that you never dreamed you would eat, you know. You start, you, like your wife likes certain places that you would never go. And then you go there and you say, wow, what have I been missing all my life? You know, marriage does that. It broadens you out. It takes you, another person takes you, in, takes you to places you would never go on your own. It's a beautiful thing. Um, time check. So it's almost seven. What, what, what's, what's the time? When, when do you want me to, sh- to shut this down? Whenever you're done. Whenever I'm done. <laughs> oh, my. I've already rambled too much, and uh, so I'm feeling a little sensitive to that. 
There are some, what's that? Did you say 15? Is that what you said? Okay, okay, good. Okay, so there are, um, here, here's some questions. Here's a question. Is it sinful uh, for a woman to work outside the home or work inside the home or telecommute or have a home business? Um, so uh, the, answer, the answer to that question is to gaze into the word of God and in, in, a, in a way set that question aside and, and ask, ask this question. What is the vision that God has given to us? Getting locked in on God's vision helps us to answer all these kinds of questions. So I think one must first be very clear about the vision that God has designed for a home. Now, then I'm, I'm just going to try to bring several of those things out. Um, for one thing, if God, if God opens the womb and gives children, then it's a place for, uh, the home is a place for raising children. And um, uh, and there are particular requirements for raising children, teaching children and bringing them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. God gives a very personal responsibility to a wife and a husband to bring children up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. So the first the first thing that a woman needs to recognize is that is that there is actually this fixed calling. There is this language in First uh, Timothy uh, about uh, about about wives being keepers at home, and the the whole idea there is that is that a, a wife is designed to keep the home, to actually rule and reign over what happens in that home, as a uh, uh, as a uh, as a co-ruler with her husband. Um, a, a woman also has a responsibility to be a helper to her husband. So a wife would have to say, what does, what does that mean? What would that require of me? If I was going to help my husband, what, what would that mean in terms of my daily schedule? So you have the raising of children, you have the taking care of a husband, and then you you also have what really is the calling of a home. And God is very specific about uh, the functional calling of a home. And one of the elements of that functional calling is to practice hospitality. So a wife should always be thinking about hospitality. So there are, these ver- there are these various categories that really are required of a wife. Deborah, have I left anything out? Just talking about the, biblical, the clear biblical requirements for a wife and for home life. Teaching, teaching her children, nurturing, add the church, add, add hospitality, God really has designed the home to be a place of blessing for the church of Jesus Christ. So you have these various categories. And so a wife should ask, um, uh, 
what requirements of my time are there for these things? And so uh, that should help answer the question. Because it, it really is sinful not to, not, to, not to bring your children up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. It's sinful not to help your husband, and it's sinful not to teach your children. Okay? Because God has called wives to do that. So um, a wife is to be a helper. She has these various responsibilities. So I think a wife would just have to ask, with all these things that God has, has required... Is there room for other things that he hasn't required? That's the question. And you know, you you know, families exist in different stages of life. You know, a husband and wife might exist for years without children. The time requirement for a family like that would be a little bit different than for a family with three or four or five or six children. But a wife should ask, am I, am I faithful to the heavenly vision? And, by the way, it's, it's sinful to reject the heavenly vision. So if, 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 if going to work causes you to compromise those things, then it is sin to go to work. But you have to ask the question about the investment of time. I, I want to encourage families really to recover this kind of family life. It's really important that we do it. The rest of the world isn't doing it. The only place it's going to be happening really is through churches that gather together in community and they praise the wisdom of God for the family. We really need to recover the role of a mother. We really need to recover the role of teaching in the family. We really need to recover a wife as a helper. We really do. You know, only, only God knows the blessing that would have been deprived of my life and our ministry and, and our family and really around the world if Deborah was not a helper. I, do, I don't know how I could do what I do today. There's a dramatic impact on a wife who chooses not to be a helper of her husband. So... It is sinful if it deprives her of all those things. So that's my answer. It can be sinful if it deprives. Um, let's see. The, the, most of these questions that, uh, that I have in front of me really have to do with homemaking. And, um, and I, I hope the answer that I just gave pro- would cover several of them. Um, Uh, here's a question. Can you expound more on how a wife can affirm her husband? Maybe some practical examples. Uh, A wife uh, can be an affirming wife by, by setting her heart to help him with whatever seems to be right and that she would set herself to be a blessing to him. Um, a wife can affirm her husband by having grace toward him 
in his weaknesses. What's that? And to make sure that you make love to him. Somebody said that in the front row. <laughs> yeah, so make, make, sure, make sure that you make love to him and pursue him. Um, most wives don't understand that it's really a help to be pursued. Because, you know, a lot of husbands, they don't want to force their wives. They, 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 don't, they don't want to hurt them. And they don't want to twist their arms. And so they might, they might be, they might seem retiring when really they don't want to be domineering. So sometimes it's really good for a wife to help her husband. Let's see here. Um, there's, a, there's a question about women in the military. If a woman is in the military, not in a combat role, is that out of God's role for women? And again, I would, like, I would just direct us back to the Bible. What does God say that a woman's function is characterized by? And um, in terms of authority, in terms of her duties, you know, in the modern military, there are things to consider that haven't had to be considered in the past. In the modern military, you have men and women showering together, bunking together, being in all kinds of situations together. And, you know, you have to be very careful today. Today's military is not like yesterday's military. And there are particular vulnerabilities to a woman that exist today that didn't exist before. Women have always been very vulnerable in the military. You understand that? You understand what I'm saying? Um, uh, Sexual abuse in the military is outrageously high. Outrageously. So that has to be considered. I, you know, I personally would discourage every woman I know not to go into the military. That would be my perspective. If, If your daughters come and talk to me, I'm going to urge them not to do it. So don't, if you, unless you want them to hear that, I'm, that's what I'm going to say <laughs> for, for all those reasons that I mentioned. Okay, Chris. Unless there are any other questions. Any other questions? What's that? Are there any others? Uh, I mean, they, uh, there's a lot of overlap in the questions. Most of them had to do with home life, motherhood, roles, responsibilities, military, work, things like that. So I, I think, well, let me just see. I think I've answered them. Um, oh, okay. So there is, uh, there, there's one about court. what should a courtship look like in a local church? Well, um, my... You know, my my perspective is that the Word of God has some general but really clear guidelines for how people get married. And the first guideline is that um, 
sons and daughters are under the authority of their parents. And so um, uh, men who want to marry women should, should approach a father and not try to win the heart of that girl until that father says, yes, I think that's a good idea. Okay, So that's the first thing. The, the, the biblical jurisdictions need to be considered. And then, and then secondly, there needs to be a way for that couple to understand whether they are equally yoked. And I think that means that they, they come to a place where they know they want to labor together for the rest of their life. They can't conceive of living this life without laboring together. And they, so there's a, 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 a similar calling. You know, maybe, maybe they want to go to the mission field. Maybe they want to do this. Maybe they want to do that. But there should be a sense of unity in calling, and there should be a fitness of them. You know, and there, you know, there are personality fitnesses, and there are lifestyle fitnesses. There are all kinds of things that go into that. But there should be a way for a couple to get to know another, get to know one another well enough where they understand that, and their parents understand that. Like I, I'm not in favor of just saying. These people hold the same doctrinal statement. They've been homeschooled. They feel the same way about things. They should get married. I'm not in favor of that at all. There should be a careful and deliberate way for young people to get to know each other in a, in a, in a natural, casual environment. I think the local church is a perfect place for that. You're living life out together. Like in this church... You eat 52 meals a year together. Well, maybe it's not 52, but it's a bunch. You eat together. You're in the same room. You do stuff together. You mix it up. You have casual time to talk to each other. You can go over to each other's houses. There's hospitality. There's events that you guys do, events that you go to. There are all kinds of ways that you can just naturally get to know each other without, you know, a big spotlight on you. We're in a courtship, you know. (laughs) which is so harmful to relationships, you know. Um, uh, you know. You know, my view is that um, your pastors should also affirm the fitness and the rightness of the match. And I'm not saying that everybody in the church has to agree. I'm just saying that the spiritual leaders, the ones that know you the best, that, that actually have care for your soul, they should be saying, Amen. If they're not saying amen, if your parents aren't saying amen, it's time to back off. So I think those are, those are just some general principles. Another is that um, the protection of matters of purity should be in place. They, uh, the, the, the families and the couple should ha- have agreements for how they're, how they're going to engage this relationship in order to protect themselves from sexual impurity. It's a great danger. Everybody's in that danger. Nobody's exempt from it. And so there, there need to be guidelines that are arrived at that are helpful to purity. So that's my opinion. How should a courtship look like in a local church? Oh, one more thing. One more thing. Um, if it looks like there's a couple that's kind, they're kind of connecting, you know, 
Don't look at them. Don't talk about them. It's none of your business. You know, don't, you know, the lady shouldn't be going, oh, did you see someone talking to so-and-so? Stop it. Let them live their lives. You know, everybody doesn't need to know that Joe and Susie are talking. You know, it doesn't matter. It's not your deal, you know. If Joe and Susie want to get your counsel, that's great. But don't be, don't be talking. And don't have, a, don't have a culture in a church where if two young people are talking, you know, all the people are looking out of the corner of their eye, checking out to make sure everything's okay. Don't do that. Mind your own business. Let the parents deal with it. This is not your shtick. It's their shtick. Okay? There you go. A little theology, a little opinion. There you go. Okay. Hey, it's a quarter till. I did it. Thanks. <laughs>